reading from Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. That's 1198 on the Bible. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we, have, we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Thanks, Annie. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we look at this passage. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word here, and thank you for what it reveals to us about what we have in Jesus. Please help us understand, and please stir our hearts and encourage us through these words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, many of you know that I, uh, I really enjoy running. Recently, I was away in Tawantan with some other ministers in our preaching group, and uh, my friend Rohan took me on one of his favourite runs on the trail through their par national park at Noosa Heads. It was beautiful. Across the headland, up and down steep hills, around tight bends for 10 kilometres. It was hot, and we went at a decent pace. Well, Rohan did anyway. Uh, it made for hard work. But as much as it was about getting a good workout, it's important to stop at the lookout points, even just for a few seconds, and take in the view. To marvel at God's creation, to enjoy the fruit of toiling away on all those hills. And that little moment of catching your breath and enjoying the view makes it all worth it. And that's a picture of what we're going to do in Romans this morning. You see, this is week eight in our series through Romans. And to be honest, it's been a pretty hard run for the first four chapters, hasn't it? There's still plenty of hard running to come for us later in the book. And I do want to say that's actually good for us. God wants us to love him with our minds, to get our heads around the sometimes complex theological arguments that Paul makes in these chapters. Romans is like a spiritual workout that's helping us really grasp the gospel, helping us grasp what God has done for us in Jesus so that our faith won't be flimsy but will have strength and depth to withstand the pressures of life. 
hold fast to Jesus because of the rock-solid salvation we have in him by grace. And yet as we arrive in chapter 5, this is the lookout moment. This is the time to catch our breath, to look back and see how far we've come and to just enjoy the view. This morning, we're going to slow down and focus on just five verses of the 11 that we just read. You know, look at the next six next week. We're going to stop and enjoy the wonder of our justification by faith alone through Christ alone, to just enjoy that we really are loved by God. Remember, in chapter 3 and 4, we've seen that God graciously justifies the ungodly. He takes unrighteous, sinful people like us, and he graciously gives us righteousness as a gift. He righteousifies us through faith, remember? This sounds like a great theological truth, and it is. But what difference does it make to our lives, both now and in the future? That's what we get to see and enjoy this morning. We're going to be stopping at three lookouts this morning to admire the view. We'll be enjoying justification. We will be hoping in suffering. And we will be resting in God's love. Let's enjoy the view together, starting with enjoying justification. Verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1, it starts with the word therefore. And you know the rule about therefore, right? You have to ask, what is it therefore? <laughs> Paul's getting us to reflect back on the journey so far. He's saying, in light of everything I've just said, it's all summed up in that phrase, since we have been justified through faith. He's saying, since we have been made right with God, simply by trusting in what Jesus has done for us, these are the results. These are the things that we get because of that amazing gift that we enjoy in the gospel. And into just verses 1 and 2, he packs three things that we can enjoy because of our justification. Let's read both verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. First, Paul says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is something that we have right now because of what Jesus has done for us in the past. This is very different to where we were at before he saved us. We read it a moment ago in verse 6. Apart from the gospel, humanity is weak, unable to save ourselves. We are ungodly, deserving of God's judgment. And in verse 8, we were still sinners. In verse 10, Paul sums it up. We were, we were God's enemies. And how did God respond to his enemies? Verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? We've heard in the news this week that in response to the growing threat of China's military strength in our region, Australia, the UK, the US, they're spending billions of dollars on nuclear submarines. That's a human response to someone we see as men, right? The hostility escalates as each side responds aggressively to the other. 
but God does the opposite with us. At the point where we were in complete hostility and opposition to God, he acted towards us in love. He gave his own son to save us. We're going to see more on that next week. But going back to verse 1, that means that if we accept that Jesus has, if we accept what Jesus has done for us in faith, we go from being God's enemies to being at peace with him. What a change that brings in our relationship, our relationship with God. Hostilities are over. I don't need to fear God's judgment anymore. Even when I still sin, I don't need to worry that he's angry with me or that I'll be condemned as I deserve. I can be completely confident that I'm at peace with God. We've been reconciled. No longer enemies but friends. Dearly loved children. Is that how you think of your relationship with God? You, you know when you have tension or conflict with someone and it creates distance in the relationship. Maybe you just avoid them or when you're together, there's no ease, no joy, no comfort. You're just aware that things aren't right. The elephant in the room. It's awkward. But it's different when you're with a close friend, right? Someone that you just love to be with when you feel safe and at ease and you can just enjoy their company knowing they love you, you just relax, whatever you're doing together, maybe even enjoying a run. That's the peace that we have with God. In the gospel, God declares to us that we can be sure we have peace with him, that we can delight in his presence. No awkwardness, no second-guessing, no worry, just enjoying his company, enjoying peace with him. And it's all because our relationship with God is grounded in his grace. That's the second benefit of justification. See it in verse 2. Through him, that's Jesus, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace is the opposite of awkwardness and being standoffish with God. It, grace sounds like a fancy, churchy word, but it's actually not that complicated. It's not some kind of substance or commodity that God gives us. It is simply God's generous, favourable disposition towards us. God's grace is his attitude of generosity and love towards us. He is for us, and we can come to him freely. Remember as Jesus died on the cross and the temple curtain was torn in two, and free access into the presence of Almighty God is now available to all who trust in Jesus. See, being right with God is based on works, if it's based on our own performance, then that just creates fear and uncertainty. I know I'm only ever one failure, one slip up away from being cast aside. And the verdict of Romans has been clear. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Righteousness based on work, it only creates barriers. But God's grace means free access. It means we can come to God with confidence 
and joy, knowing that because of what Jesus has done for us, God is for us. He loves us. We can come to him freely. We've gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You know, a, a few weeks ago, Ed Sheeran was touring in Australia. It was a record-breaking tour. More than half a million Australians turned out to see him during his tour. At the MCG, he played to 107,000 people in a single show. Can you imagine? From what I hear, it was pretty amazing. But you can't get close to Ed in a stadium of 107,000 people. You can enjoy his music, you can watch him on the big screen, but you can't have a relationship with him. You can't know him. You don't have access. But while he was here, he also did a private concert for kids at the Queensland Children's Hospital. Out of kindness, he made time to get to know these kids who were doing it tough in life, to talk with them, to play for them. They had the kind of access to him that any fan in that stadium concert would only dream of. It's not a perfect analogy, but that is a picture of grace. God has compassion on our need. He comes down to our level with this extraordinary act of undeserved kindness at the cross. His grace gives us privileged access that otherwise we could never dream of. Through his grace, we can enter his presence anywhere, anytime, bring our concerns to the God who rules the universe. In fact, he invites us to come to him with all our needs and sorrows, joys and thanks, all by the grace in which we stand. Just like those kids chatting to Ed on a first-name basis, God invites us to make the most of our all-access path to him through Jesus as we live and pray and enjoy relating to him on the basis of grace. Here's how the author of Hebrews puts it. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And you know what? The grace of God is not just something for us to enjoy in the present. The best is actually yet to come. See the end of verse 2. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Often we think of hope like wishful thinking. Gee, I hope this hot weather stops soon. I hope that I get the job that I want. Someone might say, I hope that I win the lotto. These things are uncertain, outside of our control. Hope is kind of like a wish when we talk about it like that, even though we actually don't know how things will turn out. But this, the kind of hope that God gives us is totally different. Rico Tice puts it like this, Christian hope is a joyful expectation for the future based on true events in the past which changes everything about my present. Christian hope is sure, rock solid, guaranteed, founded in the character of God. And Jesus' death and resurrection guarantees that those who trust in him have a certain hope for the future, that we'll experience the glory of God in a way that will far surpass anything we could imagine in our present broken world. We're going to see the appearing of our Lord Jesus as he returns in 
full glory to dwell with his people forever. We'll be transformed into the glory that he has promised us. Our weary breaking bodies transformed in resurrection power to be like Jesus' resurrection body. Free from sin and suffering and frailty. God will make everything new. The entire creation renewed to share in the freedom and glory of the children of God. Uh, the picture in, the, in Revelation is a glorious city where God's people delight in the inherit, eternal inheritance our gracious God has given us to enjoy forever with Him. This isn't wishful thinking. This is the promise, hope of the glory of God that belongs to all who've been justified by faith. This is our joyful expectation of glory with God based on the true events of Jesus' death and resurrection that give us real certain hope in the present. This is what our Saviour has bought for us. This is the gift that we receive through faith in Him. How often do we stop and smell the roses as Christians? Just look out at the view to reflect on the amazing benefits that are ours in the gospel. It's good for our hearts to rejoice in what's great about belonging to Jesus. It's good for us to be encouraged in our hearts. Wow, despite what the world may say about us as Christians, I've signed up for a pretty good deal. For the Christian life, let's be honest, it's not all downhill runs along the coastline, is it? Sometimes we hit steep hills. Sometimes we're running in soft sand. Sometimes the Christian life hurts. But Paul shows us how this justification we enjoy actually helps us when we face those pressures and setbacks. Paul shows us how we can be hoping in suffering. What does it look like to live with hope in our suffering? Verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Know that suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul says that if we belong to Jesus, the gospel changes the way we see suffering. Holding on to our certain future hope, Paul says we can actually rejoice in our suffering. Now that doesn't mean suffering itself is something good. The Bible is clear that suffering only came about after the fall of the consequences of sin. God gave us books like Job and the Psalms to remind us and to show us that it's okay to struggle with suffering. In fact, in our suffering, our God wants us to cry out to him, to groan, to lament, just like Jesus did. We're not being called here to celebrate suffering itself. We're being called here to rejoice in how suffering produces something in us. To rejoice in how God uses our suffering to grow us as his children. And Paul lays out this three-link production chain that starts here in verse 3. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. 
First, suffering produces endurance. The New Testament, it says that the Christian life is like a long-distance running race. Hebrews 12 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before Eugene Peterson, he calls this a long obedience in the same direction. And how do we grow in this perseverance? Well, same way a marathon runner does. We practice enduring pain. Like Australian 800-metre runner Peter Bowl. He came fourth at the Tokyo Olympics and then second at the Commonwealth Games last year. And in his training sessions, he pushes his body to the absolute limit of high intensity, day after day. His success is no accident. He puts himself through that pain again and again to condition himself to cope with it and to strengthen his body. He learns to tolerate the hardship so that it doesn't stop him from pursuing a greater prize. Suffering in the Christian life is like that. Just because we're God's precious children doesn't mean he shelters us from all the struggles of this life. He doesn't coddle us. In fact, that's how he grows us spiritually. Out of love, he allows us to go through these things in a way that produces endurance so that we learn to rely on God's promises and value the spiritual blessings we have in the gospel above our present circumstances. And this endurance produces in us character. As trials come our way and we learn to grow in perseverance, then over time God grows our character so that we are more and more like Jesus. We come to depend more on him rather than our own success or strength or ability. Jim Keller puts it like this, Suffering removes from us rival sources of confidence and hope. Other places we might look to for our sense that deep down we're okay and that our future will be okay. Suffering drives us to the one place where we find real hope, real confidence and real certainty to God. See, the result of that endurance and mature character that God develops in us is a more confident hope. Instead of spending our lives obsessed with the here and now, instead of pursuing comfort and happiness and security in this life, chasing after careers, idolizing the success of our kids, seeking fulfillment in every experience under the sun, instead of living for the present only, we put our hope in the glory to come. The future that God has promised us in Christ. I studied at a Bible college with Mitch, who went to Zimbabwe to plant a church. They're regularly without power for much of their day. No computers, no charging devices, no water to wash dishes or flush the toilet or shower because all the water pumps take electricity. And all of this to deal with alongside extreme inflation, government corruption, passport difficulties, plus all the normal pastoral issues of church. And the list goes on. But Mitch and his wife, Jess, they keep going because they love Jesus. And if anything, the suffering has increased their resolve to keep serving Jesus in Zimbabwe. Here's what they said in a recent prayer letter. In many ways, it's been a hard few months, maybe years, and yet we can honestly say that we are learning to rejoice in this as we identify with Peter's encouraging insight. 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by the fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you see suffering in your life through that gospel lens? Now that doesn't mean pretending things are easy. We can still cry out to God in our anguish, still bring our pain to God. When that diagnosis comes or the conflict wears us down or the financial pressure increases, we can pray for healing, for stress to ease, for financial relief. relief. But will you also pray in light of Romans 5? God, please grow me through this suffering. Please increase my love and dependence on you. Help me to reject the sins I go to for false relief. Help me be less anxious so that I might lift my gaze from my own situation so I trust more in the hope that you've promised me in Jesus. Teach me to long more for future glory than present comfort. That's the kind of hope that the gospel gives us in our suffering. Suffering will surely come our way. But when it does, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to harm. We've heard a bit about shame in Romans so far. Remember back in chapter 1, our rebellion left us covered in shame. We saw that sin is a scam that promises much, but it can only deliver shame, devastation to those around us and death for us. But gospel hope is the opposite. It does not put us to shame. It will exceed all our expectations. Our present sufferings aren't even worth comparing with the glory to come. All our hardship is worth it. After all, it's guaranteed by the one whose death has covered our shame, who has given us a glimpse of our future in his own glorious resurrection and ascension. No wonder Paul is unashamed of this gospel that gives us hope even in suffering. Which leads us to one more lookout point to stop and enjoy. This time, we're resting in God's love. We'll see next week in verses 6 to 8 that the ultimate demonstration of the love of God for us is at the cross where Jesus dies for us while we are still sinners. But here in verse 5, Paul encourages us about the Holy Spirit's ministry to assure us of God's love. Verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is like the icing on the cake of our gospel benefits. The God who lavishes his grace upon us, sending his own son to die for us while we're his enemies, justifying us by faith so that we can now enjoy peace with him and the hope of glory. He also gives us his Holy Spirit. He himself promises to come and live in the heart of every believer from that moment when we first trust in Jesus. God gives his Holy Spirit to us. And what's the ministry of the Spirit here in Romans 5? 
It's not about speaking in tongues or doing miraculous healings or deep emotional experiences during worship. His ministry is one of personal assurance. Amidst our doubts and fears and worries, he keeps reminding us again and again, God loves you. We're going to take the Lord's Supper this morning, and it's a physical, tangible reminder of Jesus' body broken and blood poured out for us. But in the Holy Spirit, God graciously gives us a spiritual reminder through the Holy Spirit who pours God's love into our hearts day by day. How exactly does he do that? How does the Spirit encourage our hearts with God's love? Well, it's no accident that the subjective internal ministry of the Spirit, that God's love in our hearts, is followed directly in verse 6 by the objective external demonstration of God's love in history. See, it's at the cross that we see the ministry of the Father, Son and Spirit working in perfect unity to assure us of God's love for his people. It's as if the Spirit is keeping on saying to us, look at the cross. See the great love that God has for you as his child. Know that he did that for you because he loved you. That's the Spirit's job, always putting the spotlight on Jesus and pointing us to him. On those days when God feels far away, when you're struggling with sin, when you're battling to believe God's promises amid suffering, when you're plagued by doubts, God's Spirit keeps telling you, God loves you, my son, my daughter. Look to the cross. See God's love poured out for you there. Through the Spirit's work in our hearts, we can rest in God's love for us. I hope you've enjoyed the view from the lookout this morning. The run through Romans 1 to 4, it's been hard going at times, hasn't it? But it's been worth it because now we've made it up the hill of being confronted with the ugliness of our sin and what we deserve. Now we've gotten our heads around how God can righteously, uh, righteously, righteousify unrighteous sinners like us by grace alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone. And now at the top of the hill, we can stop in and take the view. We can enjoy justification. Enjoy the peace and grace and hope of the gospel. We can hope in the midst of our suffering because God's glory is sure and certain. And we can rest in God's love through the wonderful gift of God's love. This is the wonder of the gospel. Let's admire the view. Let's rejoice and delight in it together. It's his people who stand in his place. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have peace with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you that through his death and resurrection we can come to you knowing that we stand in your grace, that you look towards us as your beloved children and you are for us, that we stand in your gracious, favourable disposition towards us. Thank you that in the midst of suffering, we can do so confident in the hope of the glory of God that you will fulfill all of your promises. Please help us this week in the midst of whatever suffering we face to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and to remember the hope of glory that we have as you work in us to produce character and endurance and hope. 
Ultimately, Lord, this week, please remind us constantly of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, reminding us of your love and pointing us to the Lord Jesus. Help us this week to enjoy that view of what you've done for us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.